Hello and welcome to the Where Are You Now podcast, the show where we ask my friends what they're doing now, where they've come from and where they're going. On this episode, we'll be continuing our series on friends who've taken a bit of an unconventional path. And in this episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Mr. Warren Rowe. Warren and I met almost two decades ago whilst at school. Warren was always very focused and the paid off when he joined the Royal Marines as an officer after we spent nine months together working as sports coaches in Australia. Since then, Warren's relocated to Bahrain, where he currently lives and works. Warren, I know you're better than almost all my guests I've had on this show and probably will know you better than anyone I have on in the future. But before I botch your introduction, uh, welcome. Thanks for coming on. And how are you doing? Yeah, uh, doing well, mate. Um, it's obviously interesting times at the moment uh, with the uh, COVID-19 virus. Uh, but Bahrain, I mean, to be honest, Bahrain's uh, fairly well locked down. Um, but hopefully things will be lifted soon, uh, but hanging in there. So, yeah, not too bad from my end. Yeah, fair one. So I've touched base with you a bit, but what is lockdown? Because in the UK, I started this series, I was in New York, and lockdown was very different from how it was in the UK. So what does it look like in Bahrain? I think uh, what it's what's kind of true of like most of the world is that everyone's kind of doing different things and there isn't kind of like a uh, like a common uh, protocol. So in Bahrain, they're really strict with people coming into the country. So, you know, people are being tagged uh, and there's kind of like... Um, maybe sort of human, well, violation, human rights violations that probably wouldn't happen uh, in other parts of the world, um, as in you, you're forced to download an app um, and, you know, you've got to stay within, you know, within your house and you're kind of constantly monitored. Um, however, shops are open and, you know, people are kind of free to, to do what they want in terms of visiting other people. So a bit sort of contradictory, um, but I think the economy is really struggling with tourism, so it'll be a matter of time really until they, they, open, they open up fully uh, in a couple of months, I think. Fair one. What's the, um, so we've just had the test and trace app. I'm re- we're recording this on, what is it, June 17th, 2020. And I think the test and trace app went live in the UK a week ago. And I think it basically alerts if you've been in contact with someone who, who's been diagnosed with COVID, then it alerts them that they've been in contact with it. I, by the sounds of it, yours is a little bit more intrusive than that. Yeah, so so you've got that app, but uh, I guess that it's more intrusive because you've kind of you're forced to you're forced to do it. I don't know what it'd be like in the UK now, but you know you arrive in Bahrain and there isn't really a case of well I don't fancy this. Like you're downloading the app and you're doing it, or you're getting a thirty thousand pound fine. So wow. um, yeah, so it's it's kind of yeah, I don't know. It, it's diff- obviously different here uh, compared to the UK, um, but in 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 a lot of ways it's actually it's actually better because no one kind of violates the rules um, when it comes to. Uh, breaking quarantine if you're, uh, you know, if you're flying through a different country. Yeah, this is chronologically out of order, but I was going to ask this later on. I guess it ties in with this app and sort of the different approaches to COVID. But in terms of the preconceptions, I know you've had a bit of a background in the Middle East, but in terms of preconceptions about Bahrain and realities on the grounds, what do you think are some of the key ones that we see over here, which either are true or aren't true? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So so I, I grew up. I was born and brought up in Saudi Arabia, uh, and you know most people when they hear you know Saudi Arabia obviously bored well is, is right next to Bahrain. There's a, there's a causeway that links the two, um, and most people's perception of Saudi is that it's you know hard right, um, you know Islamic uh, country, very strict, uh, no drinking, women have only recently been allowed to drive, etc. Um, but actually. You know, growing up as a as an expat, um, you know, someone from the UK on a compound, you pretty much live with it. You know, it's like little Britain. People are bringing, bringing their own booze. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's literally, uh, you know, people were making second incomes from it. Um, and um, you know, it was actually a very good kind of lifestyle and upbringing, and it still is. Uh, however, you know, with the price of oil, uh, uh, you know, sort of all time lows, who knows um, whether that kind of you know expats on you know tax free high paid salaries will, will continue. Um, but I've kind of gone off on a tangent. Well, yeah, so, I mean, but Bahrain's very different to Saudi. So Bahrain uh, doesn't have the same oil wealth. So the economy is very diverse. They rely heavily on tourism and Saudis coming across the causeway uh, to enjoy some of the things that are illegal in their country. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's very relaxed, genuinely, not just sort of saying this, but the people are, are very kind of kind and down to earth and compared to other, you know, other Arabs um, and they're, I mean, yeah, it's 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 a cool place. Um, it's you know, it's, it's elements of it are, are pretty run down. Um, but I would say, yeah, it's for for a Middle Eastern country within the GCC, it's very relaxed. It's probably the most relaxed in, in terms of you know how liberal it is and yeah. that sort of thing. And how long have you actually been there now? About three years. So, 
so I've been here permanently for a year, but my, uh, well, actually my ex-girlfriend now um, has lived here sort of for the last kind of, I don't know, four and a half years, uh, and, and I've been dating her for three and a half, so long distance. So I've been coming and going from Bahrain, long, you know, long distance for about, uh, I don't know, four years, um, yeah, something like that, four years. So I know it very well. It's a very small, very small island. Um, I think it's about 50 kilometers long, so it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not you, know, you, get, you, get, you get to know it pretty well. Do you find, so I guess, to be honest, that's that's similar size to, it's, well, a little bit bigger than New York, but I imagine density-wise there's probably similar, if not more people in Manhattan Island than there is in Bahrain. But do you find that, that your connections are mostly expats, or do you have a pretty varied friendship group? I would say it's varied, you know, so uh, I guess we'll get on to it, but so I, so I work for the, the Bahrain Defence Force, but, but I, I sort of work for the, uh, sort of directly to the, to the Royal Family here, and uh, but, but I think I mean, I once likened Bahrain to the game Grand Theft Auto because it is like a small, <laughs> small island, and you know, very quickly, you know, who you know is is a big deal, and very quickly you develop, depending on the sort of person you are, you develop social kind of networks, and they're all so varied, um, and they're kind of like really important here. But obviously, it's a double-edged sword because you know your reputation can easily be tarnished, um, and yeah, I mean, I won't go into proper detail, but I mean, I'll, what I will say. Is becoming recently single in Bahrain and having, you know, <laughs> quite a varied social network can sometimes bite you uh, in the foot. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 good or bad. Uh, yeah, maybe just 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 stay indoors and don't meet anyone. Maybe that that's the best option. <laughs> you said it there, but it is probably a good time to sort of get into the meat and bones of it. Um, where would you like to start? I, to be honest, I invite you on the show because I, I'd say you've sort of taken the unconventional choice in three different ways. Yeah. So firstly, you're obviously living in Bahrain. That in itself is quite unique. Secondly, yeah. you didn't go to university and join straight into the, the military as an officer. I know that's not totally unique, but it is no one else yeah. that I'm interviewing at the moment is taking that path. And of course, as you mentioned there, currently your job's pretty wild. So do you want to start at the back yeah, and yeah. work forwards? No, or? Yeah, yeah. So so I guess I'll start I'll start with the Marines. Uh, so I don't know if you've had any uh, any like ex, you know, Dukies, we call them, people that have been to the Duke Yorkshire Elementary School uh, on the show. I imagine you probably have. But um, uh, so I went to a military boarding school with Simon. Um, back in the day, there was, it was a bit of sort of breeding ground for officers uh, in the military. It's kind of sort of moved away from that now. And, and in fact, um, it, it's an academy open to, to people from all sorts of backgrounds, um, but it still has a very strong military ethos. And I guess r- relatively early on, I knew that, well, I, I hoped that I would go down the military route. And I, and I, and I thought that the officer route was um, the best route for me because the idea of leadership appealed to me. Um, and, you know, I think it's important to mention <clears throat> David Bartley. So I was I, I was a rugby captain uh, of, the, of the first um, in my last year at the school. And the, the coach uh, was an ex-Royal Marine officer as well. Uh, and actually I was looking at going down the army route, but he, he sort of persuaded me to join, uh, so to have a go at the Royal Marines, which I probably thought was maybe a bit unattainable um, as an officer. Um, and that's absolutely not true, um, but um, it, yeah, it was just a sort of preconception. Um, and so I ended up, um, you know, going down the um, the recruitment process for the for the Marines, um, and I was I was lucky that it kind of worked out um, in you know uh, without any kind of major kind of hindrances. Lots of people. I won't go, I won't go into too much detail, but essentially uh, the, the the selection process for the Marines comprises of a physical and a sort of mental and intellectual aspect, and, and they they pick the top sixty. And they're normally from kind of the start, there's there's thousands that apply, and that's whittled down very quickly to to maybe a few hundred. And they pick the top sixty, and it's it's really a bit of a kind of luck of the draw in terms of who the top sixty are. Sometimes you have really strong. Uh, groups sometimes you know it just varies so I was probably towards the kind of bottom third in terms of um, you know the, the guys that were selected for the batch obviously there they call it the, you know the Royal Marines officer batch there's only one intake a year um, and obviously you know the majority of the guys that were going were graduates I think I was 19 at the time um, and yeah I mean they, they were they were pretty pretty upfront and they were like you know like if you're going to lead uh, you know, uh, Royal Marines commandos uh, on operations. Like you, you're, you're young, and that you know, you, you need to kind of prove your leadership uh, and your, your everything else that, that goes into being an officer. Uh, so stop. By the way, stop me apart if I go off uh, on you know, like a running gun. But um, yeah, so 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 um, I was successful, um, and I joined the, the 2012 batch, uh, and um, you know, embarked on Royal Marines uh, young officer training, which is 
you know, definitely the, the, the best and worst uh, time of my life. Um, we, I mean, I joined hoping to go on operations, uh, you know, kinetic operations to, you know, to Afghanistan. That was that was kind of my era. Uh, I say sadly, I mean, I don't really have that view anymore, but no, no one from my batch deployed to Afghanistan straight away. Uh, so a lot of us kind of felt, I don't know, a little bit disillusioned, a little bit disheartened. We, we didn't, a lot of us didn't get to do what we sort of signed up for. Um, and, you know, the, 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 um, the campaign in Afghanistan began to sort of wind down after 2012, um, but you know, I went on to. Can I stop you? Can I stop you there? Sorry, I am keen to pick up again where we left off. But why? No worries. I know you said disillusioned. Can you can yeah. you talk to me more about that? Because I, yeah, I hear yeah. that all the time from people. But... Sure. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Yeah, definitely, I can definitely talk about that. So I would say, you know, um, it's it's an odd thing uh, to to talk about. Like definitely, uh, you know, to to say that like, I want to go on operations, and ultimately, when it when it comes down to it, it sounds kind of. Uh, sounds I don't know callous or whatever but at the end of the day you're trained essentially to go and you know close and, and kill the enemy and that, that, that that's that everything revolves around that being an infanteer uh, you know particularly an elite one um, and uh, you know I never got to do that and, and you know bar a couple of my colleagues that, that went down the, the special forces route uh, no one really got to do that from my batch uh, and I say disillusioned because it's, it's like training you know, receive the longest training in NATO, arguably the hardest initial military training, to not go and do the job that you signed up to do. Is um, it 18 months? Uh, six, uh, yeah, it is 18 months, 18 yeah. Months. Well, yeah, 18 months, <laughs> 18 months. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, there it is. Um, I, I mean, that's it, 18 months, and then you're kind of, you're good to go straight from there. So, um, you know, whereas the Sandhurst, you know, infantry officers will do Sandhurst and then go and do Brecon. Um, Army's officers, but the day they pass out, are good to deploy in operations around the world. So I'd say disillusioned in, in that sense. Um, and what changed? Because you? you said that you, you feel yeah. it might change since. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I have had the pleasure, you know, the privilege of, of leading, you know, Royal Marines commandos, and, and many of the guys that I've led uh, have deployed on these on these operations. In fact, I'm, I'm out in Bahrain with, with a guy who did three tours, uh, four tours, actually, three of Afghanistan, one of Iraq, and uh, actually, sadly, you know, it, it was all for nothing. You know, most of the Hel- Helmand province where the British fought um, and you know, lost blood and money and whatever else over, uh, it, it's been re- completely retaken. Um, so, sadly, it, it, it was all kind of for nothing and you know i remember when we left training uh you know our, our batch officers you have an officer uh, you know a, a captain assigned to, to to the batch and it's quite a sort of prestigious position um and you know he was like careful what you wish for um and you know sort of remain with me because actually it, you know so many officers that i've met have you know are, have, have lost limbs or, or suffer from ptsd etc and you know if it was for something kind of worthwhile then you can kind of justify it but unfortunately in the case of the Afghanistan uh, campaign it it really hasn't been very successful so so I'd say I'm kind of happy um, with the way I am it would have been nice to to, I mean I say nice that's the wrong word but it would have been good to go and and do what what, what I signed up for but but equally I I went and did other interesting things um, and I had a short sweet career in the Marines Uh, what do you think what do you think the incentive to sign up for the Marines now is yeah so I I mean I was about I was going to say like I mean, at the end of the day, um, not everything's about shooting people. Um, and, and actually, there are loads of different elements um, to, to, to being, you know, uh, to, to being a, a Royal Marine, to being in the, in the Royal Navy. You know, there's humanitarian aspects. A lot of what they're doing now is, is kind of training teams. Um, and, you know, again, without going into too much detail to, to, to bore the audience, but um, the Royal Marines are going through a massive change um, in terms of uh, going back to their kind of commando heritage and ethos. So that they're kind of capitalising on the high intellect of, of the man. Um, so not necessarily officers, but but the you know the the, uh, the non-commissioned guys. And we're, we're lucky that, that they are the kind of the most intelligent um, across the uh, across the board. And that's the fact um, it, within the within the military. Um, I, I, it's part of the Royal Marines brand, and for whatever reason, we attract. We attract guys that, that you know have have degrees and who, you know plenty of my guys uh, you know I didn't go to university are graduates from good you know good universities and, and they choose, choose the Royal Marines because of the history and the brand and everything else. So yeah, um, I would say it, it's it's also part of being uh, you know being part of an elite club and and what's 
you know, regardless of what any anyone's kind of done, and you'll always meet someone in the military who's far more impressive than you are. Um, it's all about kind of being that, that shared brotherhood, going through something arduous, being part of, of something that's elite and special. Um, and, and I would say that that's definitely worthwhile. And, you know, uh, yeah, I'd recommend it to anyone. I've, um, I've got a question about what you were just saying about people joining up because of the brand. And I, I yeah. appreciate that. What yeah, what is it? Yeah. What do you think it is which separates? Can you? Oh, this, this, yeah. I don't want to sound. I don't want to phrase this in an offensive way, but can you tell the people yeah. who signed up purely because there's a certain arrogance to being in the Royal Marines, to being in a yeah, sure. unit? Can you tell yeah. the guys who've signed up for that reason? And do they do they get found yeah. out? Uh, about, so I would say, I mean, sure, that there, there is, that there is. I think you, you, you probably see that arrogance from people that maybe have just joined the Royal Marines. It, mm. it quickly gets beaten out of you. Um, I would say that, you know, um, professional like professional humility and understated excellence was 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 a sort of strap line that was that was kind of fed down our our, our throats when we were in training, and you know they. The Royal Marines, maybe compared to some of the other sort of elite arms of the of the of the, of the infantry world, not to mention names, but they, they kind of do pride themselves on being humble and, and understated. Um, of course, there's arrogant people, and whenever you you badge someone as being elite, you know, there's always someone more elite. You know, there's obviously the special forces, which the, which the Royal Marines, uh, you know, are the, are the greatest sort of providers for. But um, I, I would say, uh, you know, yeah, there is a a kind of um, uh, behind the Royal Marines ethos is, is humility, um, and if pe- you know people that kind of stray outside of that are, are quickly you know bent back into shape. Uh, so yeah. On the complete flip side of that, and we will get out off your training in a minute. But on the flip side of that, mm. what is it what separates sort of the good guys from the great guys? This is to do with what I'm trying to give give people here yeah. is just an idea about leadership, and I think this is a unique yeah, yeah. angle on it. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean. I'd say it's all relative. Uh, so you know, you you, you join the um, you join the Royal Marines, uh, and, and like I said, as, as a young officer, it's a very small compared to Sandhurst. It's you know, churning out hundreds of, hundreds of people um, a year. You've got sixty guys, roughly half will pass, and you've got some really. You know, I certainly wasn't one of these guys, but you've got some really impressive people. Um, you know, I think there was something like six GB rowers. What you know, one of the guys had, had rode the Atlantic. He's now climbed Everest. Not that that's necessarily that that rare these days but every everyone every, you know there was there was a as a lord not that that again that's not necessarily impressive but you know he, he got he he deliberately chose the royal marines um as opposed to you know the household cavalry or, or you know the household division uh you know, where his uncle um you know heads it uh because he wanted something hard and something difficult uh and something that isn't necessarily uh you know what, what's the word something something that, that doesn't have kind of you know where your hereditary ties make no difference um, yeah and nepotism. i would say yeah nepotism yeah cronies whatever um and uh so i, I would say that in, in within that kind of band of men there were some really impressive guys um and i certainly wasn't wasn't one of them um but uh, it's hard to answer the question i guess like what what kind of makes makes a difference you know, yeah. there are moments in training there are moments in training where you see it you see people um for for, for really what they are um and you know like people that have broken down um that have, you know literally in tears have have, have have almost given up but i mean some of my friends who are, who are majors now um one of them in particular i won't name him but you know he literally was about to quit and if it wasn't for one of the guys kind of pulling him back uh to stop him he, he would have left the royal marines and and i guess but these there are there are moments in training where you see guys who are just phenomenal you know individuals and and you're you're just like you know that 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 that's why i joined joined the corps but also i would say um the people that train me so um, you know, you've got a, 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 generally for, for Royal Marines, because again, for Royal Marines officers, it's only a very small, um, you know, group of guys, really, 60 guys. Um, each, you know, you, you're broken down into eight man sections, and each section gets a Royal Marine senior. You know, someone's probably done, you know, 10, 12 years <clears throat> of, um, of experience. And obviously, when I joined, they'll, they'll have done Af- Afghanistan for sure, uh, and maybe even Iraq. Uh, and, and some of them, you know, were involved in special forces operations, some of them were asked special forces. So, like, the, the experience and you know the the stories that they brought with them uh, and the types of guys that they were they, they kind of brought you up to a standard um you know uh but uh, yeah i would say that the royal marines is, is is filled with exceptional exceptional people but, but not everyone uh, you know there's definitely you know in any organization uh, there are people that slip through the net and there's you know there's plenty of people the royal marines that aren't 
aren't necessarily you know good guys or, or, or good soldiers or, or whatever. Um, but but genuinely, uh, sorry, generally, uh, the average um, is, is is high, um, which yeah, which is what it's all about, I suppose. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've met a select few of your mates, and all of them I've been very impressed by. They're all very powerful people. So let's jump back into your story. Go on, sorry. Let's jump back into your story. We, I think we we're we're leaving. You just left. You just left yeah. training. Yeah. So so just left training. Uh, went to um, four five commando, which is up north um, in, in Scotland uh, in our brave. Uh, I think you went you went to one of the mess functions there, yeah. and, and it was yeah, it was a really interesting time. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's still lots of there's still kind of lots of leadership experience. Uh, you know, from, from being a, a raw meat officer outside of kind of conflict, um, and actually, pe- some people would say it's, it's it's more difficult. So, you know, at four five commando at the time, there was a there was a real problem with um, with uh, with leadership actually. So there was a real disconnect between the officers uh, and the seniors to the point where officers weren't being saluted. It sounds like an insignificant thing, but but that. In the military, that's that's a big deal. Um, even in in a, in a relatively sort of relaxed and grown up environment like the Royal Marines, um, it, it's just a courtesy. And when it doesn't when it doesn't happen, that, that, that's an issue. Um, and there was a deployment uh, to Twenty Nine Palms in California to work with the U.S. Marine Corps, and you know all sorts of things happened. Uh, one of my Marines uh, tried to uh, tried to fly to Syria, uh, or tried to fly to Turkey to to, to go and fight in Syria. Uh, with the Peshmerga um, and you know there was uh, I won't go into detail but there were all sorts of problems there were all sorts of things that went wrong and, and it was there were lots of reasons for that one of them was kind of double standards one of them was the disc the real disconnect between the officers and the seniors um, and just expecting just just little things like um, you know uh, kind of if you, you know the work hard play hard um, sort of mentality of, of, of being in the Marines wasn't really being employed um, and what was being asked of guys wasn't really didn't really make any sense um so you know kind of spending three weeks in very austere conditions uh, to then have you know a night on on the piss to then go straight back into the field probably isn't going to work when you're curfewing guys you know who haven't who haven't you know who've been working really hard but i mean again uh yeah so uh, it, it was it was a really interesting time i learned a lot i, I had um all sorts of sort of what we call them g1 so welfare issues um in, in you know uh during my time there uh, and it definitely kind of uh, matured me as a, as a young leader um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time there. It's a, it's a great unit um, and yeah, special, a special place in the Royal Marines. Except it was in Scotland. Mm. <laughs> I joke. Except it's in Scotland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Shame about the people. So, you're, so what, you're a year in, you're 18 months in after, after this? So, yeah, so, so, so I guess, um, you know, including training, it's sort of 18 months. So a uh, year on, um, so I then uh, moved to 4-3 Commando, also in Scotland, um, on the uh, on the west coast this time, uh, to go and work for uh, a squadron that basically dealt with um, uh, vehicle, uh, sorry, vessel um, interdiction, so boardings really, um, and that was really interesting. Um, it was a really high, highly trained, uh, like small element of the of the Royal Marines. So I deployed almost straight away to West Africa. Uh, for four months um, with like lots of autonomy, very little kind of oversight um, attached to a, 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 a US Marine team. And we just kind of moved across the west coast of Africa, delivering like uh, specialist training. Uh, so, I mean, one of, I guess some of the highlights here, we worked with Cameroonians uh, who were fighting kind of Boko Haram uh, in the north of the country. Um, we worked with the Ghanaians. Uh, we worked with uh, all, all sorts of different. I forget some of the some of the random countries now, but it was it was it was interesting. It was cool to to, to, to work in a small team with lots of autonomy um, and to do what was quite an exciting task. Um, I came back from that. Uh, I then deployed to. Uh, the Middle East for nine months. Uh, it's where I met my uh, my ex, and you know I, I kind of established the um, the connections in Bahrain that, that led to me coming out here. Just so I got the timeline like, correct, you're about four years into your career at this point. Yeah, so I'm about four years in, so I'll probably so you're about 20, 23, 23. Ish. Yeah, 23, yeah. 24, yeah, something like that. Um, and so I, yeah, so so did the, did this nine month deployment, uh, and, and at this kind of time, at this point, I was I was starting to get kind of um, a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe this is where the sort of disillusionment sort of crept, crept in, and, and I, I was starting to get a little bit not bored, but wanted something a bit more uh, from, from 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 the Royal Marines. And you know, in in the military, um, I guess one thing that you know the recruitment posters don't, don't say 
um, is you know is the fact that your career really is controlled by by a few select people, and you know obviously you can influence that, but but ultimately um, it's, it's it's out of your hands. So your 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 um, fate is in the hands of you know the various appointees and career managers. Um, so you kind of roll the dice a little bit. Um, and these are people you, you you meet and interact with, or these are people you don't. Yeah, consider? so you know you interact with them uh, on a, on a sort of uh, yeah you interact with them. You know you you know you have phone calls, you might have a meeting or whatever. But ultimately, you know the military is a big machine, and you know it, it, a lot of it does come down to luck. Um, and of course, your performance matters as well. But I, I had a really good run. And, it was, and I knew it was probably coming to a close. So, I mean, I, fl- I flirted with the idea of going on, uh, you know, special forces selection I never did. Um, and uh, a lot of war marines go, go down that route or at least attempt to go down that route. Um, and so I did, I chose, I, I, my sort of, um, I, I did a couple of other jobs within um, 4-3 Commando. So I deployed to Africa. Again, I worked in Morocco, uh, teaching them um, counter-terrorist uh, training. Um, and, and then I went to the Commando Training Center uh, to um, to train um, civilians essentially to become commandos, so recruits as we call them, uh, and that was that was really worth. That was my last job in the Royal Marines. Uh, that was a really worthwhile experience, and there's something really fulfilling, uh, particularly outside of kind of wartime and conflict, um, in um, in training someone um, from you know a complete civilian to a commando over a six month period. Um, and you work again with a small team of experienced war marines, and, and it's a kind of sacred role, really, because you're kind of upholding the standards of, of the war marines, and you know the standards that, that people have ultimately died for. So people, particularly the young corporals, uh, say young, the corporals, it sounds patronising. Um, they are, you know, do they doggedly defend um, the standards of, of the war marines, and it is, it is sort of humbling to see. Um, and um, yeah, it was a very worthwhile experience. So, so I did that, and I, and I took a couple of troops through um, through to completion. Uh, and then I moved to the uh, so Hunter Company, they call it. Uh, it's a rehabilitation company, um, and uh, so so I essentially you know uh, a company that. that um, men's, uh, you know, injured recruits and recruits that are struggling with training, which is, you know, largely the minority. So, so actually most people that fail Royal Marines training are, become injured. Um, and, you know, the, the Royal Marines are sort of defence leading in rehab. Um, I don't know exactly when, but essentially they um, they discovered that just by getting rid of people um, who you've invested lots of time and money into, um, it's actually not it's it's not the best way. The best way, I mean, given the investment, the best way is to try and rehab them and get them back into training. Um, uh, and so again, that was really fulfilling. Um, seeing guys that you know have got you know have fractured their femurs, have got you know yeah, knee problems, have pulled you know torn their hamstrings. Guys, some guys have you know taken a year in rehab and then have become commandos. And so it's it's quite. And they, they generally they, they pick the the best kind of corporals and, and junior leaders to, to work in that company to, because they need the inspiration. Because you know you can imagine you join a troop, uh, you know you get injured and you see all your friends go and pass out and go to the various units and you're stuck. You've got you know, you've got 11 months left for your rehab. Um, so, so it's disheartening for, for, for the guys, but again, it was really rewarding. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I worked with some great people, uh, and then and then so at this point, I'm probably uh, I'm, this is by the time by the time I left, I think this is kind of a six seven year point um, of my career in the Royal Marines. Um, but I made the decision to leave um, and come to Bahrain. Um, so shall I shall I talk about that? Well, we've got, we've got, we're coming up to the half an hour mark, which is probably quite a good time to take a break. So it's all right with you. I've got three more questions. And if you can try and give the succinctest answers possible on these, they're difficult ones though, um, before we'll take a break and then we'll talk about what's next. So firstly is going right back. Well, either taking your experience from, from joining up yourself or helping out with CTC and Hunter, was it Hunter Squadron, sorry? Uh, a company, company, Hunter yeah, company. company. Sorry, that's yeah, probably quite American, right. isn't it? Um, what yeah. three tips would you give to people looking to join the Royal Marines? Okay, uh, that is difficult. Oh, I, I would say, yeah, um, I would say first and foremost, I would say um, so. So being Jack, right, is is a term is is like a is a Marine term, and essentially it means like being selfish. So. Uh, and it, it's it's probably the worst thing you could say to a, to a bootneck to, to a marine. So I would say if you're um, if you're going to join, uh, I would say don't be Jack um, and kind of 
always and don't and don't, be, don't you know be fake about it but kind of always try and you know put think about the guy next to you and, and, and put people first that's that's a really important part i think of being a soldier but particularly a raw marine what other tips would i give uh people uh look after your feet um so make sure that that's probably a crap one let me think that really um it's a hard course so so be clear be, be clear about why you want to join um and 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 really kind of think about that and, and what it means to be to be a boot neck don't join for for, for the tattoos and you know going off to girls and bars because they don't care and actually it'll probably it'll probably ruin your chances of, of tracking them anyway <laughs> i would i would say um join for the right reasons um and for me the right reason i mean for, it's not necessarily the right reason but for me you know it was it was to lead you know very special uh, guys um and uh, and the privilege of that so i would say that would be the second thing um and the third thing I would say actually is probably controversial, but um, I, I think most people would probably agree. You don't need to be the first at everything. Uh, you know, box smart. Um, you, you can preserve yourself. Um, it, like the whole point of, of all the training really is, is is to be fit to fight. So, and I was, I was probably, you know, I made that this mistake, like thrashing myself every time. It's important to push yourself, uh, but always have a bit in the tank um, and, and just and just try and, think with your you know with your head um when it in everything uh, because you know raw marines pride themselves on that that's, that's what i would say uh, off the cuff like i haven't thought no, 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 nice okay. that's the whole point of this podcast i don't want anyone to prep these answers uh question cool. two yeah. i've got for you before the break is yeah this is this is more of a personal interest one what sort of capacity do you have to spin up side projects whilst in the military i see a lot of ex-military people yeah. set up businesses but i see less yeah. people doing that while still on the job is it possible yeah, there are restrictions yeah. on it uh, to be honest, I don't even know what the legal implications. Are. I mean, people do it um, definitely, but I would say I would say it is uh, it's a fairly engrossing kind of career. Like it does, you know, it does kind of. I mean, there were definitely periods of, of you know, my career in the Royal Marines where I wasn't doing very much, um, but that they're quick, they, that quickly changes. So, so I think it's quite difficult. It's quite difficult to really have a proper business going. Um, but I would say, like particularly, I mean, I can only really speak for the Royal Marines, but like you, you've already mentioned people leaving um you know the military there, there are so many people that go into business like all sorts of random things like you know there's a, there's a company i don't know if you've heard of it uh maybe some of your listeners probably have but contact coffee that, that was set up by raw marines and, and they're actually still serving um but you know it's a, it's a it's a really successful coffee brand that kind of markets i guess to to, to to military guys but but all sorts um and yeah yeah people people get get yeah get into all sorts of careers but i'd say while serving it's probably difficult unless it's kind of like boot camps and, and, and that sort of thing you know yeah, of course um yeah of so, course i have seen a lot of them to be fair like pt based jobs exactly exactly um final question i've got for you then is if you could say one leadership lesson or value of leadership that you learned and took away from the marines what would you say yeah. that was if you had yeah, to put it down uh, as one yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, that's tricky as well. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm probably going to give like a woolly answer. It's probably like, <laughs> typ- typical kind of officer thing to do. I would say there are all sorts. So, uh, so in my experience, there are like kind of different, you, you can kind of whittle down officers into kind of t- maybe two different categories. Um, and this, again, this is being, this is being quite uh, uh, like, you know, it's been quite harsh, I suppose. But, but, but really, I mean, you know, when I think about when I joined, um, like as a young troop commander. So if you imagine that, you know, 19, 20 year old guy joining, leading a troop of 40 guys, lots of which have been to Afghanistan. You've obviously got zero experience. It's an intimidating thing to do. And a lot of the time, you know, guys go kind of one or two ways. They either kind of, and it, you know, it depends on the on the on the atmospherics and the environment and the, and the, the troop sergeant that you work closely with. But guys either go in and go, army officer, listen to, I'm in charge, I don't care, like I wear the rank, you, you answer to me, or they go in and they go, right, you know, and they hold their, they hold their ground if they're a good officer, but they, you know, they, they take, they take advice um, from, from, from the guys. I've heard loads of times, you know, when you, when you have like accounts of, of, of people in like, you know, horrendous wartime situations um, that like, you know, a lot of the time officers will say, listen, you know, I just, I just pick the best idea. Um, from the corporals like you know and I, and I think that's that's kind of the key like the key I think to being a good leader is is to listen to those beneath you and to 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 keep to hold your own but to but to, to take the best ideas mm. um, and, and take them forward so I would say the, the kind of the, the having that humility 
to to understand that you're in charge but to also listen to those that are probably always going to be more experienced than you and i'm sure this is the same in business you know a lot of the time you'll have ceos or whatever and they'll be you know they might be younger younger than than the people that they're they're leading on the shop floor that are far more experienced but i would say yeah just that humility to, to kind of um take on board what people are saying and and but to also have that kind of cutthroat instinct and be like no actually i'm in charge here i'm doing this um i don't care if you've had 20 Great years in the raw breeds yeah Great advice. Perfect. Well, we're going to take a short break now. And then when we come back, we'll talk about what we did after the Marines and try and leave that behind us for a bit. But just before we do that, I know you're a big fan of Desert Island Discs. So would you like oh, to wow. choose choose your number one song that you'd like to play out during the break? Whoa, mate. That's, uh... <laughs> oh, I have to just think of something that comes to me. Give me shelter, Raw Browning Stones. Give me shelter. Well, we're going to, if you're listening on Anchor or Spotify, then we're going to play that one during the break. And we'll be back in about two and a half minutes time to talk more. Thanks a lot. Cool, welcome back. Warren, I've actually really enjoyed that first half. It was nice to speak candidly and honestly. Honestly, one of the reasons I like doing this podcast, and I've said this to everyone, is I don't speak to my mates enough and actually chat to them about what they've done and what they're doing and what they've learned from that. That's definitely true of you. <laughs> All right, yeah, that is definitely nice to have an excuse to actually ask people how they're doing and what they're up to. So we left yeah. just before the break and you, you'd finished at the Marines. You decided that was it for you. And then you yeah. were moving out to Bahrain or have we not quite got there? Yeah, so so um, yeah, so yeah, I think, you know, leaving, leaving the Royal Marines, um, I'll, I'll be honest, so, you know, I, I'd kind of done a lot of what I, um, I guess what I wanted to do in the, in the Royal Marines that was available. Um, and I kind of thought, you know, I'm going to go bold here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave early um, because, um, there isn't really, I couldn't see the app, the political appetite to employ Royal Marines to kind of do the job that they, they're trained to do anytime soon. And since I've left, I've, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't really been proved, proved, proven wrong. So, um, so I left, I made the decision, um, and I, I didn't really talk about it before, but whilst being in, in you know, in the Royal Marines, um, I, I made some, some quite useful connections, or they proved, they, they, they turned out to be quite useful um, with the, with the Bahrainis, um, and uh, particularly um, elements of, of the Royal family there. Um, and um, again, I don't know, people, people might not know, but there is a kind of, the, you know, the UK, it's probably dimish, diminishing now, but the, the UK still has, um, you know, still held in very high regard um, in the Arab world when it comes to the military. Um, you know, going, you know, guys going to Sandhurst, you know, elements of Sandhurst have been paid for by, um, you know, uh, people in Saudi Arabia and, and, and Qatar and various other countries. So they still really value you. Um, and so they're willing to employ you. Uh, to, to kind of work alongside them. So through th- kind of from that, um, I, um, I, I decided to take a job uh, working in, in Bahrain, also helped my, my, my ex-girlfriend now, but my girlfriend at the time um, was working out there and had been for the kind of you know, last three, four years. So uh, I, I went bold, I left, um, and I don't re- have regretted it so far. Uh, so yeah, so that brings me to Bahrain, where, I, where I'm currently sat uh, during lockdown. Um, and, you know, I, I guess, Growing up as an expat, you know, people ask me where I'm from, uh, and you know, so you know, ethnically, I'm, I'm half Welsh and, and, and half Indian. Uh, I'm very much British, uh, but I was born in Saudi Arabia. And, you know, people are like, well, "Where are you from in the UK?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not really from anywhere." So I guess you know, going back to kind of the the, the, the region where I was born, uh, there's there's something about that, and, and uh, you know, there's something like I did kind of always think I'd go back to the Middle East. Um, I guess it's you know it's the lifestyle, uh, but it was it was it was home for me for 13 years. Um, so um, I, I you know I took the opportunity on, grabbed it by by both horns, um, and, and the job was to basically go or is uh, to, to develop a commando course uh, similar to that of you know the, the, the British commando course um, here in Bahrain. Um, uh, and so I'm kind of it's very slow time at the moment because of the virus and the way things work in the Middle East, um, but. I'm out there. I'm out in Bahrain doing that uh, with uh, with another Royal Marine uh, who's kind of far more experienced than I am. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. What's your and, um, um, What's your normal day today outside of this particular per- time period? What's your normal day today? Sure. Yeah. Well, I'd say uh, you know um, different to, to that of, of, of the UK. Um, different working hours, uh, but um, it's you know. It's all we're all at the moment. We're in, we're in the developmental stages, and it, and it is quite exciting, you know, to develop a course that, that might stand, for, you know, defi- you know, decades time. So it's 
it's yeah it's a really exciting prospect but it, it's really varied there's no kind of real structure to it which is cool um so you know i go to the office i work out um i, I go to meetings um and you know we, we talk about how where we want the course to go and, and the type the type of people that we want to, to employ and the types of operations that we want to go and go and do um Bahrain's quite an interesting place um, for lots of reasons, but you know, one of them uh, is you know the fact that there is quite a lot of kind of probing uh, from Iran um, due to the, the the makeup of the population here being you know, majority Shia, uh, you know, um, ruled by a, a Sunni minority, um, and so that 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 kind of um, uh, leads to yeah, an interesting environment where you know weapons are being smuggled in, drugs are being smuggled in. Um, there was a period in 2011 where there were kind of you know it was really tense and there were you know, during the Arab Spring and there were there were protests etc. So it, it, it's it's quite cool I guess to be involved in something that's current and real. Um, and uh, you know I'm learning Arabic and I'm, I'm really you know trying to embrace work you know living in the in, you know in in, uh, in an Arab country. Um, but where do you get news? Uh, oh, I, so not from Arab sources. Um, I, <laughs> so I, I subscribe to the Week, um, which okay. is yeah, and also just BBC. Uh, I listen to podcasts all the time, mm. like Glo- Global Global News, um, Freed, uh, Zachariah. I think it's called. I think his name his name is on CNN. Uh, lots of different places. Um, but yeah. So, so yeah, I, I guess that sort of answers the question. I hope uh, I go off on a tangent sometimes. No, 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 that's fine, that's fine. What's your, so I know that your involvement in this project might not be for forever, but forever, what's, the, forever, what's yeah. the aim of the, sure. the project? So, sure, sure. So, I mean, the aim is to, to have a self-sufficient commando course um, that's, um, that's run by Bahrainis. Uh, this year has pretty much been a write-off. You know, it's a two-year contract, and generally, you know, a lot of, a lot of my some of the guys I work with have been here sort of eight, ten years. Um, I, I personally see myself um, here for another three years, um, so I think I will try to. So I mean, you know, I'm I'm, I'm studying towards an MBA. I'm trying to learn Arabic, and I'm just trying to kind of make use of the spare capacity that I have here. And, and honestly, I have no idea where the future is going to take me. Um, part of me kind of sometimes I do think about going back into the military or going into some form of government role um some is that an easy route back to the military uh they'd probably take me I mean maybe uh <laughs> I wasn't that good but um I don't know there, there are elements within the military that I, that I would look at and is that um, a common thing that people do uh not really I mean generally if you do go back it's sort of cap in hand um, but you know, I, I would—I uh, mean, maybe even a, a role with something like the NCA, you know, you know the, the National Crime Agency. So, so not, not necessarily the military, but just some yeah. kind of government. I, I'd say we spoke about this before, but you know, really, a lot of my friends are in the corporate world after leaving after leaving, you know, the, the Marines, bankers, corporate security, the, the jobs like this, and, and, and actually, you know, um, uh, like defence roles. But but. Um, now with the virus and, and yeah, the redundancies and, and, and everything, um, it, it's it's it's, a, it's difficult to employ people that might not necessarily be essential. So a lot, a lot, you know, a lot of the jobs that my friends have gone into, they're, they're not essential roles. You know, they're they're kind of development um, type roles, mm. and, and actually, um, you know, I think you're you're you're, you're safe in, in government jobs um, in these days. And I, I work for the government here, so it's, it, for the moment, it's safe. But I'm really just going to try and. Kind of, uh, you know, work on my sort of qualifications and, and then see where, where where life takes me. I have no idea. I have no it, idea, which is worrying. But, uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone knows. It's interesting what you just true. said there about a lot of your friends doing actually quite similar development work as you are. Yeah. So I would yeah. see your last decade as quite unconventional. Yeah. Would you say the same about yourself, or being in the friendship groups that you're in, have you actually followed quite a conventional pathway? No, I'd say. Definitely, I'm definitely unconventional because I mean the job that I'm doing at the moment is like an unconventional job. Like I mean I don't know it. You know none of my friends are in in this kind of in this kind of role. But I'd say you know a conventional role for an ex officer generally is to go straight to the city and become a banker. Weirdly, or to go completely left of arc and go and do something like go and work. I mean you know as a guy, Rory and I know who set up um, veterans. Uh, what was it? Um, veterans for wildlife or something. Um, 
But it's, anyway, it's a, it's a charity essentially that, that trains poaches um, in, in in Africa. But they go and do these types of jobs. They, they go and work for Team Rubicon, um, you know, which is a charity. Yeah, or, or they go and, Yeah, so they they do jobs like this that aren't necessarily well paid, but but they're, they're, they're you know they're kind of fulfilling interesting roles. Or they go corporate um, and you know sort of sell sell their souls to the devil, try and try and make the big bucks. Realize it's quite hard and you know, <laughs> go 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 and f- find something that's probably a little bit more interesting and fulfilling. Two questions um, on that. Do, do on, yeah. the, firstly, do you get much help with the transition from the military yeah. to being a civilian? And also, did you yeah. enjoy that transition? Yeah, sure. Um, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, I would say it's much better than it used to be. Um, you get money to, 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 to put towards, um, you know, put towards qualifications, and you get, you know, mentored and, and, and how to write your CV and, and what it's like um, leaving the military. You know, for me, it was, a, it was a short career. You know, seven years, including the training. Um, you know, you got to you got to think you got to remember that some some people have joined it sort of 16 uh, and, and and leave in their 40s. Uh, the, the the sort of the real world outside of the military is, is is a daunting prospect when you know your taxes, your accommodation, your food, everything's provided for you. Yeah. Um, so 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 it is difficult. Um, but but it's definitely getting better. It's not certainly not where it should be. Um, I would say. Um, but um, yeah, there are things in place for sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not it's 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 not that it's yeah. To, to answer your question, it's not that bad. And you personally enjoyed it, the transition. You do you feel good being uh, outside. I mean, I've been outside for a year. I, I'd say this is probably me. What are your questions? But you know, what do I miss? Um, you know, um, and, it, and it goes back to what I, what I said before about joining an organisation like the Royal Marines or, or any organisation within the military, um, where there is that sense of brotherhood, there is that ethos. Um, I miss the guys for sure. You know, and I'm very fortunate. I work with another Royal Marine, but you know, it's. It's the sense of humour. It's the, the mentality. You know, when you join an organisation like the Marines, everyone's got the same mindset. They're all, you know, it, driven. Uh, you know, enthusiastic. Uh, you know, um, people. Uh, and and, it, and generally, they're, they're, they're ca- they have a can-do attitude. Um, and kind of coming, coming to the Middle East, where uh, you know that that can-do attitude is kind of not the same. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's. It's different, and having spoken to some of our really close friends that work in the corporate world, you know, they they really struggle um, with uh, just working in a, in a different environment compared to the military, uh, where where people, you know, where people are kind of loyal, um, and you know, that there's that you're all, you know, I think I remember I remember going to a to a leaving do uh, for a friend that was working at JP Morgan, in fact, it's my batch officer, and um, it's funny, a guy, an ex officer, came up to me, and, and he was like. I just met him and he was like, don't tell anyone, uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quitting, uh, quitting the job here. Um, and he was like, mate, it is the most cut, most cutthroat environment. He was like, no one cares. No one's got any allegiance to anything. It's all about, it's all about money. And he was like, you know, in the military, it, it, it's quite, it's very different. Like no one really cares about them. I mean, you've got enough money to, to live a good enough lifestyle. Everything's provided. There's a good disposable income, but you're all... You know, you're all you all wear the same cap badge. You all have like War Marines Commando on your arms, and, and you know that's that 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 that's a special thing, uh, I think. Um, and, and it's you know it's true of many organisations where you have that. Um, yeah, it is. You know, yeah, it is. But I imagine it's intensified when you spend sure. literally every yeah. day of the year together in that sense. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's a special thing. So, so I miss that. Um, but yeah. What about the extracurriculars? Did you get a lot of opportunity to do? I said. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about boxing smart. I wasn't particularly interested in it. I mean, I'm kind of trying, trying to kind of recoup now. Uh, and I joined young, so I'm not, I'm not in too bad a position. But um, you definitely do. I mean, a friend of mine, you know, he did a master's degree uh, in, you know, paid for by the military at Exeter. I think it was like. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was like it was something defence related. But you know, he had some amazing, amazing speakers. He had you know, Stanley, Stanley McChrystal and all sorts of people, Petraeus, giving giving speeches, and you know, the ex, you know, um, you know, lead, uh, whatever the sort of term is, but the, the ex head of um, MI5 came in, and you know, he had some. Yeah, it was a, so so there is the opportunity. A lot of my friends speak for um, you know uh, foreign languages now. So um, Harry Matt speaks Russian. Uh, Alex Gobi speaks Arabic. He's in the Emirates fluent you know um, and all paid for by the military so there is the opportunity to do that definitely and it's encouraged um, but it's all about whether you're when you, you know, have the capacity and the time and the effort to go and do it I guess but, it, but it's mm. definitely there for sure bit of a tangent still on extracurriculars what part what role does sport play in your life nowadays I know you obviously talked about oh, yeah. the gym health and fitness yeah yeah, but... yeah. Um, yeah it's a good I guess that's yeah um, I mean I play touch rugby uh, I, well, yeah, I'd say being in the Royal Marines, like 
there is sport there, but uh, I was just always really scared of getting injured because you know you get yeah. injured, you can't you can't do your job. Uh, but loads of the guys played sports, um, and you know I do miss playing rugby. So I think I'll probably go and play for play for the seconds team here uh, if I'm still good enough. Um, and I would say yeah, sport doesn't doesn't really play a massive part in, in my life. I'm definitely more of a kind of. I like to play sports, certain sports, but I don't really. I mean, I watch the Six Nations. Uh, I'm not a fan of football. I'll watch the World Cup, uh, you know, for, for, for the rugby. Um, but you know, I don't necessarily follow sports that keenly, which really kind of irks some of my friends like you and, and Harry, who are like keen followers of sports. And I bring people up, and I'm just like, never heard of him. Don't even know who that is. But I do listen to the rugby podcast, which is a great podcast, not because of the rugby, but just because of the banter. The Andy Good one or the James Haskell one. Andy Good, mate. Andy no, Good, yeah, all the way. Nice. Goody's a legend. Yeah. <laughs> House of Rugby is also good. You uh, you mentioned listening never, to the Nigel Owens. You listen to the Nigel no, Owens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, actually, no. I was um, I was talking about the Nigel Owens Desert Island Disc actually when I said that, which you should uh, listen to if you haven't if you haven't listened to it already. I haven't. Uh, I'll trade you. I'll listen to that, and you should listen to the House of Rugby one. Fine, fine. You will <laughs> enjoy the Nigel Owens one. Very, very honest. Uh, yeah, uh, very candid. So I've only got a few questions I said sure. for you. I've got four questions left for you. And um, the first, these are sort of ones I ask everyone who comes on, actually. And they can be difficult, they can be jarring, but give it your best shot, see what happens. I'll try, I'll so try. the first one is, if you went back to 10-year-old Warren now and showed him what you were doing now, do you think he'd be happy? How does this compare to what his aspirations <laughs> might have been? And do you think he'd be surprised? It's difficult. It's hard to answer that because you don't want to sound. You don't want to come across as being uh, being arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I, I, I would, I, you know, I guess um, you both, you, you and I, we're, we're we're relatively young still, and like, who knows where we're, where we're going to end up right now in life? Like, I'm more than happy with with what I've achieved. I'm definitely. I mean, yeah. I mean, t- if I speak to ten year old Warren, I don't even really know if he'd understand. <laughs> what um, oh yeah, it wasn't a particularly bright ten year old, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I would be happy. I think I would be happy, definitely. Um, for me, it's more a case of what I go and do next, and, and, and I really haven't got a got a clue. So, so I guess it will be maybe for me. It's like what will like in ten years' time, you know, when, when I'm speaking to, to to myself now, if I could be like, have I yeah, have I made the right decisions? Because I'm very much at a kind of crux in my life where it's like, what do I do? Uh, which is exciting, but also maybe a bit you know, terrifying. And is that is it completely what we do? For yourself, because I I'm at a similar stage uh, where yeah. I'm kind of, but I have I have a you sort have of vision idea. and I have an you idea. Have for you, is it yeah. a sort of a blank slate or? So it's a blank slate. I have no idea really where I want to be in all sorts of in all sorts. Of, I mean, in terms of without going too deep, but like even in terms of kind of yeah, like having kids. I, I don't really know if I want that. Being married, I don't know if I want that. Mm. Um, and and just kind of. Um, yeah, like what I actually want to do. I, it's, a, it's a fortunate position to be in at the moment because, you know, um, it's, I'm in a good job and, and, and it's relatively safe and I can kind of plan my next move. Um, but I have ideas, of course, but I have no I mean, I'd like to go and set something up myself. God knows what it would be, perhaps something security related. But I think the like to, to work with your friends in like a business I mean obviously yeah, that, there's, pros and cons, there's pros and cons to this sure but but like that would be the dream to go and do something where you're all kind of passionate about about it and just look for, I don't even care about the money but like to go and to go and just do that where you go to work and you're just like this this is cool like that, that's what like the guys that that run Secret Compass ex like parachute regiment officers uh, like I think it's Secret Compass isn't it yeah you know that, that um, is it Secret Compass anyway I have not heard of Secret Compass is it maybe it's not Secret Compass what's that company where well, this isn't very good is it what's that company <laughs> it where, is Secret uh, Compass Expeditions and Adventure Travel yeah 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 they, they go and do like quite dangerous yeah Secret Compass and, I just thought I thought you had. I thought we had anyway. Um, no, yeah. So just quickly Google them. Um, yeah, this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Doing something like that, or like you know, the, the team team Rubicon, or or like yeah. Um, yeah, going and doing something cool like that. Uh, maybe, maybe who knows? But then it's the trade off with the money. So it's, it's uh, who knows? Who knows? It yeah. is. But and I know we have this conversation a lot, and I've actually had this conversation a lot with a lot of people on this show. But as you've said already, there's 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 some things money can buy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> You and can't this, really buy good stories, to be honest. You, you can't buy good you stories. Can't. You can obviously buy security, which is important. But yeah. at the same time, is it the most important thing in the world? I mean, these last three months have shown us more many times that you could have you could have lost thousands, tens of thousands, if yeah. if you just had it stored away in the stock market. So that's things shop and change. That's true. That's true. Um, and 
yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's probably something that's uh, that's a conflict within myself, I guess. It, it's it's you know, do you choose money um, uh, and kind of go, you know, going and trying to work in the Middle East and, and, and go, I don't know, go into some sort of management role and and you know, tax free. Uh, those days are numbered anyway, to be honest. But or do I go back to the UK? work for something that, that with you know a quarter or half the salary or whatever but something that i'm genuinely passionate about that you know that's that's, that's interesting um i don't know i guess it comes to i used to always say like you know at a dinner party who would you rather be like the, the guy with like all the money or like all the stories like who would you rather sit next to and, you know i was probably the guy with all the stories you know so and i don't really have that many stories yet so i've got a few but uh, I, you know having having come from a for, from an organization like the royal marines where you know you listen to some of the things that guys do. it's not necessarily you know operations but but you know in the military there are there is the opportunity to go and do really cool things like climb everest and row the atlantic and to have it kind of sponsored for and paid for and um, to go on like these amazing holidays and these adventures and i do miss that and i think maybe maybe i'll i'll, I'll return in, in some capacity to, to to do a job like that where I'm, I'm kind of doing something that i care about you say you missed yeah. that, and this was going to be my ultimate question, but would you say yeah. your biggest regret is not making the most of those opportunities whilst they're on the table? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'd say I've kind of seized most, like, I've seized everything. I, I, I mean, I guess, uh, without going off on a tangent, I mean, I've been, I don't have a particularly strong tie to my family, like a lot, like a lot of people do, which, which, you know, which gave me the ability to come to Bahrain and not even, you know, bat an eyelid. Um, but I've kind of just taken each opportunity as it comes, you know, go come and work in Bahrain, set up a commando course, yeah, right. Um, like, you know, <laughs> so, so, so that, you know, if someone came to me with a, with a decent opportunity, you know, next month and was like, I want to go and, you know, like I've got this security like contract in, in, in you know, in Nigeria. I need like an, an ex war Marine to come and do it with me. Um, it's decent, it's decent enough money. It'll be cool. I'd definitely consider something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like to kind of live like that to kind of just choose, like, just kind of go with it and be like, all right, cool. I'll do that. You know, do you want to go on holiday to wherever? Yeah, right. I, I don't, I've always kind of lived like that, which probably doesn't bode very well for my relationship life, but, but um, I don't know. Um, no, I, I empathise totally, and I, I think you're right. It's tough to, to balance, in a sense, your own selfishness to go yeah. and live your life to the full with, well, hang on, not even just your immediate relationships, but also your wider relationships, your friends, your yeah. family, not being there for yeah. them. One of the things which hit, and I'm sure you've experienced this as, this as well, I lived in New York for just over four years, and one of the things which hit yeah. me hardest was when I wasn't able to be there for people because yeah, there's a yeah. difference between being on the end of a telephone, which you're not always anyway, and being there. No, but time difference. You're back in the UK now, mate, so no excuses. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, lockdown's been very helpful for excuses. But <laughs> when that lifts, who knows, who knows. Yeah. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap this up, but I've got yes, two mate. final questions. Um, sure. One, which is the title question of the show, and then I've just sure. got, if, if anyone wants to contact you, how can they do that? But before we go to sure. that, this is the title question. The show's called Where Are You Now? And the reason I started this is they say that the final version of you is a result of the friends that you spend your life with. So yeah. what trait or lesson would you share with me that you think could influence the way that I end up shaping my life? Oh, with you? Is it personal to Simon Varley? No, 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 no. So, right. So uh, maybe I misinterpreted that. So friends in general or what? Like... So the idea being, if you could share yeah. one bit of advice, which like, look, if you take this away from me, from our friendship, okay. this is what I'd say. Okay, uh, is it right? As in, as in our friendship, like you and me? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You are the first person who's throwing questions back at me. Like so, what I'm looking for is if, if, from where you are in your life right now, and you're like, look, I wish somebody had told me this. This is what okay. I wish I'd been told. Got, what would that be? Got you. Got you. Oh, okay, sure. Ask better that. questions is probably a good bit of advice based on that. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just being solid. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, so that, that's a hard, that's a tricky question. Um, I don't know. Uh, so, so I guess this is this is personal to me. So, so if someone could kind of give me like advice that, that, that would help me down the line, uh, it's, that's a tricky one, mate. I don't know. Let, let, give me a second. Let me think. Um, well, you think, if anyone wants to reach out to you, and I mean, I think we've got just over double figures in listeners, so don't expect it. But is there a way, a best way to get in contact with you if anyone's got any questions about anything we've chatted about? 
Um, what, what, what do people normally get? Do they give email addresses or, or what? Ah, it's up to you, mate. Twitter, email, LinkedIn, whatever works. Um, oh, yeah, I'll give my... Uh, Instagram? I'll give in, Instagram? No, I'll give my email address, mate. So, if it doesn't matter. I can just I can just block you, I suppose. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so my email address is, so Warren, so .row, R-O-W-E, one, at gmail.com. Yeah, if, if anyone, I guess that the most kind of utility I'll offer is you know, people that are, are aspiring to join the Royal Marines as an officer I could probably give you a little bit of advice uh, on, on that. Um, but yeah, all the, all the military, I suppose. But a bit of advice. I don't want to, I'm trying not to sound like cliche. Um, so it's, it, that is the trickiest question you probably ever, you've ever, you ever asked me. Um, I, I don't know. I would say maybe for, for, for me, um, it would probably, like, it would probably be to, to focus, to, like when like joining Royal Marines and joining like a you know a boys club, which is what it is really, um, and you can get really like engrossed in it, and you know you you, you party and you go and do your job and stuff. But you, you've got to kind of you've got to also think about the future. And I didn't really bother with like kind of anything like extracurricular or or like some of my friends, you know, they'd be learning languages like of of, of an evening. They'd be they'd be kind of really like. You know, they'd be they'd be doing stuff all the time, uh, and I don't know. Maybe I was just a bit lazy, um, but I would say don't you know enjoy yourself. But I would say try. If you know, I was speaking to myself, um, you know, in, in in the past, I'd be like enjoy yourself, but like do things to to, to, to diversify um, and yeah. to kind of better yourself for when you leave. Because I've been quite fortunate. I've got I've, you know this is a very unique situation. But like if I was trying to apply for jobs, you know, particularly now post COVID. Um, not even post-COVID, you know, but when it is, um, you know, uh, at the end of the day, you're, you're an officer in, in, in the military. You know, a lot of people don't know that you're in the Royal Museum, they understand that. So you've got to, I think it's really important to try and just, just diversify yourself, do things that are different and interesting. Um, and yeah, hopefully that will stand you in, in better stead in the future. That was yeah. literally plucked out of thin air. So. No, I think <laughs> that's sound advice. I think, I think yeah. the most interesting thing you said there is, I think just don't be lazy. Whether you're having fun or whether you're bettering yourself, yeah. just doing stuff and actually exactly. doing stuff which exactly. betters you, either emotionally exactly. or further down the line. Exactly. Great yeah. And um, it's so easy not to be lazy, isn't it? You know, what I mean? yeah, it like, when, when, you're, when you're having a good time, you know, it's, it's so easy just to be like, nah, I'm all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is very much how I've lived my life. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to change. And read more, I would say, as well, to me, uh, to, to, to an older me. So, yeah, sorry, younger me. Um, but yeah. No, no, not at all. Look, Warren. It's been an absolute pleasure. I need to go serve up dinner, otherwise I'm going to be killed by my girlfriend. But <laughs> it's honestly been really enjoyable having you on. I hope for anyone who is listening that you've enjoyed this. Um, I'm not bothered about whether you subscribe, but if you want just some more of these shows where we speak to people who are real people, all tend to be between sort of 25 and 35 with a few exceptions, um, then listen to us again. We've got people from all walks of life just talking honestly. And Warren, I think I thank you for being really candid about your opinions throughout this. So that's us. Thanks for joining. Warren, thanks for coming on. Take care, dude. Pleasure. Have a good one, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.